welcome back to another edition of the New Age Boxing Podcast. With me, your host, Andy White, and with me today, as always, Martin Theobald. Hello. Um, we have a special edition for you today. It's uh, the Tyson Fury, what do you want to call it, homage podcast? Yeah, I think we're just redressing the balance. I'm fed up of the uh, the negativity, the general kind of press negativity about him, so I think it's time we, uh, you know, we redress it a little bit. So, here we go with... Uh, the Tyson Fury Special, uh, heavyweight champion of the world. Yes, we do. Tyson Fury. You expect it to happen, didn't you? Well, yeah. <laughs> I think last week I, I predicted it by KO. But yeah. Uh, yeah, no, what can you say about it, really? It's, uh, well, I suppose we've got a job to do about <laughs> what to say about <laughs> it. <so. laughs> um, I um, I was especially impressed with, just uh, just to pick out one specific thing straight away, with the way that he wore some of Klitschko's punches. There was one where he came down, and I think it was the left, left arm absolute battered his chin yeah. and he shook it off stared at him and just went just cracked on yeah. <laughs> it was really <clears throat> impressive <laughs> yeah it was I think you know we'll come on to some of these things later but I think that's testament to uh, the power of his chin like his balance is something that we'll look at later when we talk about some other fights that he's had but uh, the power of his chin from that becomes almost unquestionable like to take one down the pipe and you know stand there shake it off <laughs> yeah. and go again he probably did as well um yeah, the the knockdowns that he's had before possibly more questionable over balance than strength of you know grit and you know power in that chin to stand there and take it. You looked a bit wobbly towards the end, but I, I said we, we well, you texted me, didn't you, saying like you thought he was looking a bit tired yeah. by about the ninth. And uh, I thought the actual opposite, if I'm honest. Well, I, I, that that gave that gave me a bit of hope when you said that. I thought, <laughs> oh, I've read this completely wrong, but I was I was really worried. No, for I him. thought he looked fresh enough going into those last couple. Uh, the last so. round, it was just all over the place, seemed to be. But Kli- uh, I think that was probably because Klitschko was. He changed really his going, game plan by then. Yeah, because he? he knew that he was behind, didn't yeah. he? So he just really threw, threw everything at him. I think Fury was ready to spoil by that point and just see it. Oh through yeah, he just kept grabbing him, didn't yeah, he? And just final bell. Okay, so um, you have uh, run through a few things um, uh, in terms of like gathering what you consider some of the top three, more or less top performances, bits, bits, bits of. Yeah, so yeah. do we want to do that or do we want to go through the fight? Like, what do you reckon? Oh, okay. Well, let's go. For, let's go. For let's the go fight. for the fight. So, oh, okay. All right. All right. So, no, you tell me because you text me saying like you were enthralled by it, and uh... well, I just I was impressed by the way that he uh, Tyson um, nullified Klitschko. That's what I liked um, when I watched Hay versus Klitschko. I found it really frustrating that the fights that I'd seen Hay in, he almost liked to sort of jump in, have a have a like, few punches and jump out again or at least he, there was lots of, yeah that's that's what he seemed to like to do and there was he never got the chance against Klitschko because he just it was like keeping him arm's length with a barge pole that's what he just seemed to do just keep with the jab um, and Fury just took that ability away from him completely so I um, I was impressed by that and the fact that it was almost I would have said that he was playing him at his own game, but but it, he he made it more exciting as well. So like he would not only did he have him with some jabs, but he would also come in and attack him. And I I mean I was very much emotionally invested in wanting Fury to win, so that added to it for me. But that is essentially where the excitement came from. Yeah, I mean I, I'd seen because I personally really enjoyed it. <clears throat> I've seen quite a lot of like social media criticism of it being a boring fight, but I don't know how you can say it was boring. It was like yes. Uh, what was one of the statistics James DeGale who he won on Saturday night um, he threw more punches in his fight than Klitschko and Fury threw combined um, <laughs> so that kind of sums up but it's the chess match element of it yeah. the, the strategy of it 
that fascinated me. Um, there's a video that uh, in the build-up to the fight, Fury in uh, Sky Sports ring with Johnny Nelson, which is a really interesting, uh, like in hindsight, a really interesting video to watch, which has Johnny Nelson going through his usual kind of tactical analysis with the fighter prior to the fight. And so he's saying to Fury, you know, how are you going to win this? And Fury's there and he's in an orthodox position. And he's going, well, and I can switch it up and I can go southport. And then he was um, like showing him off of his back foot, like how far back he could reach <clears throat> and what his range would be at that point. And then, uh, you know, Nelson was then trying to come over the top with a shot. And in return, Fury was just kind of evading it and just, you know, shadow boxing a a left and he was saying you know like I'll do straight left over the top if he comes into me and uh, and Johnny Nelson was saying like I think you're winding me up a little bit here I don't think you'll do this at all and Fury was saying no that's exactly what I'm going to do <laughs> and that's exactly what he did um, you know he took advantage of the the additional wingspan that he's got over Klitschko it was by three inches wasn't it yeah, by being able to like you know lean back on the foot and just make Klitschko commit to attacks that he then ultimately didn't commit to because he wouldn't throw that right hand at him, uh, and Fury was just happy to you know try and wait for him to come in and then throw his own shots at him in return and then move on. It shows it's such a good boxing brain to do that. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, like if it came down to who would win on Mastermind at the two of them, like <laughs> Doctor Klitschko is probably going to win that one, but that's where the difference like Fury is a purebred fighter um, you know he's got those roots to him and whatever and that showed on the night that his um, his nous his knowledge is in the ring like far his preparation more as well I mean you showed me that you sent me that Twitter um, the t- that tweet that he put out in August working on my footwork because that's where the fight's going to be won yeah in not August. in the punches <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and he just danced around Klitschko, like just he surrendered the center of the ring essentially, didn't he? And just yeah, he danced around in circles, yeah. which was really impressive. And like, I think that absolute aptitude, the the minerals on the bloke to get into the ring in the first couple of rounds, drop your gloves. A couple of rounds after that, put your gloves behind your back and then stick your chin out <laughs> in your first world title fight, and like dare him to come into you because at that point Klitschko, to me, like it mentally broke Klitschko, and on that point, like. There was a lot of the build-up stuff that was around, like the ring, um, the padding in the ring. So there were three yeah. layers of foam. Yeah, we're best going to that actually. Yeah. Um, there was the gloves issue. Uh, there were all these things going on, and the the fuckwits on Sky. So you had Amir Khan, uh, Paul Smith. Who can I just say Amir Khan? <laughs> he has less charisma oh, than painful, a dog turd that guy is just is so painful to listen to I mean he's a great boxer but he's so boring it's like the, the complete opposite of what he is in the ring yeah. he is in real yeah. life um, <clears throat> but you know pre-fight they were talking about and actually I disagreed with them on this but they were talking about how um, you know Fury had won that battle that and you could see John Fury getting like irate in the back and saying, "Look, the fight's off. Like, if you lot are going to cheat about it, it was Klitschko hand wrapping without any of the Fury yeah. team being in there." And to me, like that's absolute standard Klitschko behaviour in their title. It won't be now because he doesn't hold all the cards now. Fury does, but for the last ten years, that's been Klitschko all over. Is taking every little mental advantage. Um, and then you've got Amir Khan that's saying, you know, well, you know, the, the Fury team have won that. The Fury team are absolutely brilliant in stopping all that stuff happening. So you had um, Peter Fury, you had Tyson, uh, sorry, not Tyson, John Fury, uh, his dad. You had uh, Mick Hennessy, his promoter, and you had um, Asif Vali, who's part of their team. So those four between them, this was a different, like, the fact that they were never going to get away with the three layers of foam, they were never going to get away with the hand wrapping and all that, but Tyson Fury never had to get involved in any of it, because he's got that team around him, that are family to him yeah. like, you know, two of them are literally right, family so just for, those, for those who didn't necessarily get it, just watch the fight just to sort of go, we've kind of covered it but like in a bit more detail the, the, the Klitschko's, uh, Klitschko camp had put so much foam on the canvas that it was described as almost standing on a mattress. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> so that would that was designed to take the um, the movement away from Fury. Yeah, wear the legs down. out. So they put three layers of foam underneath the canvas. What's typical is to have two and sometimes one. And so putting that third one, there's a video of Lennox Lewis getting in before the fight and testing the the camera. He actually trips over on it because it's so spongy. <laughs> 
Uh, like his feet weren't expecting it to be like that. Yeah. Now, this is a man who's been in many, many boxing rings. Um, so yeah, they'd done that. <clears throat> they'd uh, they'd got Vladimir to wrap his own hands uh, or have his hands wrapped without any of the Fury team being there. So the idea is you're meant to have one of your party witness the other person um, do their hands, and then vice versa. And then they found out that uh, Vladimir had wrapped or had his hand wrapped without anybody witnessing it. So you've then got John Fury outside the changing rooms having a massive go about basically and I mean this in the most respectful way but showing that traveller's mentality of like fuck your authority we're not happy with it therefore we're going to go home measured disrespect yeah yeah like saying we're not having that we're going home like the fight's off and the fight was never going to be off because the Klitschko lot know they're breaking the rules and I can imagine Vladimir was probably sat behind that door like laughing to himself about all the the ruckus going on outside because at that point that's the idea is to to put fury on the tilt it's to unsettle him yeah and so so at that point that he's just hoping that he's getting to fury which yeah. presumably he well obviously he didn't well, but it's because somebody else is taking exactly taking care yeah and so he's got his family like people that he implicitly trusts so two of them john and peter actually being family mick hennessy and asif Vali being almost family to him yeah. they're handling all these things in his best interest and doing it themselves whilst tyson can sit back in his changing room so that's you know, like it's not. Klitschko knew he was never going to get away with wrapping his own hands, so it's not like a mental win. But what it is is it's a barrier to stop Tyson from having to get involved in all that stuff. That's so, the clever thing about it. So is he? Is he? Has he ever done that before and got away with it? Would it? Would it ever happen? You'd never get away with wrapping your own hands, <laughs> like without anybody watching it. Um, don't get me wrong. You wrap your, or you have somebody wrap your hands, but yeah, somebody yeah. watches it, and then the um, the commissioners might have you of the, the state might have you sign those hand wraps off so when you see it at the end of the fight they'll have signature a signature on, yeah. on them to say that it's been witnessed and both people are happy with it so no you're never going to get away <laughs> with that they're purely doing it to unsettle them which yeah. it unsettled John Fury and he goes off like you know throwing everything around and as I say showing that real and mentality that's, and that's his dad right that's his John dad Fury. yeah showing that mentality that says we're not doing it because you're the authority we'll fuck it off we'll go yeah. home um, and that's like that's exactly the right attitude to have with it because ultimately you know they sorted the problem out but it's not Tyson that's got to do it Tyson isn't yeah. involved in any of yeah, that of he's back in his changing room focus sheltered from it yeah. focus on the fight so that's where the cleverness comes so we had the the, the spongy ring we had the self-wrapped hand wraps or whatever yeah. was there anything else? there was the gloves which um, oh right yeah of course the, and, and the, weren't they like extra padding in the gloves around the knuckle or something you said yes yeah, so brand of gloves they would usually, Klitschko usually uses Grant gloves uh, which are renowned as like a puncher's glove so there's uh, you meant to be able to hit harder through them around the knuckle and they used uh, Paffin gloves for this fight so they switched their brand which are you know renowned as being softer that's fine like you can do that that's not an issue but they uh, this Paffin company didn't send or they sent through a prototype to Fury which he was saying his uh, thumb was struggling to adapt to um, and so they sent through a, a revised prototype and that was fine but then they said oh we're not sure we're going to be able to make these in time for fight night so you know again it's one of those little things that lays the, the plants in the mind but that was all dealt with by his team like he didn't have to deal with any of that and ultimately, he said, you know, look, I'd wear any of them and I'd still beat you. I'm not that bothered. Um, <laughs> so that was probably the least of all the mind tricks that they, they were trying to do. Okay. And so that sort of, yeah. So that was part of the game plan in as much as, and to my mind at least, um, as well as well was the Klitschko injury that some, you know, happened, put it back by, what, six weeks or something? Was Less it? than that, what yeah. Was four three, weeks? four weeks. So let's talk about um, what he's the new heavyweight champion of the world, Tyson Fury. But let's talk about how he got how he got here. Um, there's always there's the there's the the fights between uh, we've spoken about on the podcast, uh, Chisora. There's the, the Hay questionably ducking him and stuff like that. But what would you say were the sort of like the three main learning experiences for him getting to the position he is now to getting him prepared prepared and ready for this test all right so um there are three which i suppose stand out as being um as you say learning fights so the first one john mcdermott which was back in 2009 big john mcdermott who um he's english level heavyweight so he's 
right now he's levels and levels below Fury, but in 2009 they were kind of meeting not on the same trajectory because Fury is a very hot prospect. So the fight ended on points and Fury got it in his favour 98-92. Now, um, it was seen Fury got a bit of a gift out of that. Um, the, the widespread kind of uh, review of it was that Fury was lucky to get the win. So I picked out uh, a quote from the Guardian newspaper at the time, which this is quoted verbatim. Uh, Tyson Fury clearly got away with a robbery, a robbery of the highway variety. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you watch about like his corner, we're going into the last round, telling him that he was behind on points. Um, he was larking about in it as well. So if you watch a lot of the earlier Fury fights, so you know even like the the first Chisora fight, he was there were times when they were in the clinch and he's waving to his mates in the crowd. <laughs> um, so he's always had the showman element about him. But the, the John McDermott fight, like in a lot of people's eyes, Fury didn't do enough to win that fight. And so I think you know that. I think he's probably learnt a lot from that, and what because of hubris or because of ability or what was it? You know what 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 were we sort of or were they putting it down to the reason why? Was it because he wasn't focused enough or just because it was he was outclassed and he needed to step up his game? Yeah, or? he just he didn't step up his game for no. that fight. He didn't fight to his potential at that time. And McDermott had a, a great form, so they rematched um, June two thousand ten. And uh, Fury won by uh, technical knockout in the ninth round. He's he's early twenties at this point, man, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's young. Um, So I say that in terms of what he's learned, I'm sure something like that is a good lesson for Mm. him on Saturday night that he was able to, you know, yes, he was, I'd say, larking about, but not larking about in the same manner, the same fashion. He was doing it with the uh, the confidence now to. Um, do it and do it with a, a mindset and so yeah. he's tempting Klitschko in for that reason so I'd say that's arguably one of them so another one Steve Cunningham which was uh, April 2013 so in terms of what he learned from that fight um, he fought like a lunatic in that fight so we'll come on to it a little bit later but Peter Fury his uncle who by this point in 2013 is his trainer as well um, he didn't travel over for it because he's got um, a prior conviction he didn't have the time to organise his visa to get over to America and so it's the first fight for a very long time that Peter Fury wasn't in his corner and you know Fury got knocked over by Cunningham and then he turned it into a bit of a firefight um, and he won it in the seventh round by KO a fairly good KO although it kind of held Cunningham's head a little bit Um, and yeah, that was. I mean, Peter Fury tweeted at the time something uh, along the lines of, um, "This is what happens when I'm not there." Like he wasn't happy about Fury's performance. There. That was the last time you've seen him as an, <clears throat> an ill-disciplined fighter in the ring. Like from then on, he's been a very disciplined fighter, and I think that fight taught him that as much as you know, he, <laughs> he's proven now he can take a punch. He shouldn't be taking a punch. There's no need to take that punch. Yeah. Um, and finally we're going Kevin Johnson so this was his 20th fight um, Kevin Johnson who we recently saw got stopped by Anthony Joshua in the second round I think was it he'd never previously been stopped so Fury never stopped him um, Johnson is he's a very uh, stable world level fighter he's not going to win world titles but he'd always been up there around like a gatekeeper if I was you just like about to ask you that, yeah. so beat Kevin Johnson you can move on to world title level I suppose okay. um, so yeah Fury fought him and uh, it was never really a huge danger but Fury never rushed that fight either um, he, he showed very good discipline the kind of discipline that to an extent he showed on Saturday night um, it was just that he didn't have the same danger coming back from Johnson, but he did enough in that fight to, you know, show that he could stick to a game plan over a twelve-round fight without having to rush it too much. So you, <clears throat> just judging by what you said there, you're looking at a fight where he hasn't applied himself necessarily as well as he could have done. He's had a fight where he's come back from a as a, a literally a knockdown, and then you've had a, uh, a fight where he's stuck to a game plan and sort of um, the master plan is well he stuck to it and it's unfolded and he's he's he showed that he can do that yeah. so <clears throat> yeah okay I can see where those pieces fit to, they together. fit in different ways you know the application which he did clearly on Saturday night you know he didn't 
with the Steve Cunningham fight, he got into that firefight with him. Even if he won through it, he still didn't engage in that on Saturday night. And then the Kevin Johnson was just about discipline, and that's what he did again come Saturday um, night. I have a, uh, a question. I don't know if you're going to be able to answer it, really, but you've got Peter Fury, and it's something perhaps that people more outside of boxing maybe would have the question of. What qualifies... I'm not saying he's obviously he's doing a job well because he's, he's got a world champion uh, heavyweight boxer, but what? How does it work for Peter Fury's his trainer? Why did he not have, I don't know, a, <clears throat> you know, a world-renowned trainer come in? How has Peter Fury managed to take someone who they've, they've basically grown together, haven't they? So, um, yes, I mean John Fury. We'll come on to it later. John Fury's dad used to be his trainer when he first turned over professional. Um, but are they are they former boxers? They're and, both former right, fighters. So, so it's, it's not a coincidence. They're just going, oh, I'll, I'll train this. No, no, boxing. <clears throat> no. Right, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll touch on it a little bit later about John Fury and Peter Fury and their influences over Tyson. Okay. Sounds like you got a plan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, where where do you think um, where do you think he sits in the grand pantheon of uh, British heavyweight boxers? Okay, so. As you may have guessed, some of these questions are a little bit set up. That's, that's all good. Uh, I've done a little bit of research into this as well. So looking, don't give the game away. Don't give it away. I'll never guess. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we do prepare. In fairness, do, doing research and preparation shouldn't be something you're embarrassed about. <laughs> like, it's the first time I've had so much preparation. Yeah, let me sift through my hundreds of pages of notes. <laughs> well, um, I didn't need to. Uh, but, I mean, it's regardless of preparation it's a question I would have asked anyway yeah. you know wh where does that put him I mean in my mind in my mind it was when I think about amazing heavyweight boxers the only person that comes to mind is that Lennox Lewis yeah that's the only person because he unified the belts right yeah there's not a rich history of British heavyweight boxing um, it, it's fairly slim pickings I suppose in terms of champions so it's always going to be subjective over who else is up there as the best so we've got the list uh, we'll start from the latest and work our way back, I suppose. So you've got David Hay, um, who was the WBA champion from 2009 when he beat Nikolai Valuev, through to 2011 when he lost the belts to um, Klitschko. So that was on his third defence of the belt. The problem with his uh, reign, if you want to call it that, was that uh, A, he beat somebody who was um, robotically crap in Nikolai Valuev, and uh, secondly, his defences were god awful so john ruiz who was never a great heavyweight he was a he was a tank of a man like he would just keep coming forward keep coming forward again baby almost like nikolai valuev but smaller um, did he did he have the potential opponents in the world at that point to be able to take on so was he scraping <coughs> the barrel for decent opponents or was it tactful it was tactful right, he, okay. yeah he didn't take on the best Right, so okay. who would have been enough. who would have been Klitschko I suppose oh, okay. which he eventually worked his way to so <laughs> and then um, got, yeah. is it fair to say he got embarrassed there yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I felt yeah, like I think it's, yeah. it's a fair um, adjective <laughs> yeah. but um, right so yeah he, he beat John Reeves and Audley Harrison so that's his two defences uh, before painful. he lost the belt so <laughs> Alright, so then working back from that, you've got um, Henry Akin one day. So not a name that springs out. This is for the WBO title. He, which at the time wasn't really uh, renowned. So I suppose as you've got like the IBO nowadays, which isn't really thought of that highly. It's like a second tier of belts uh, or the WBF and people like that. So at the time, the WBO wasn't really uh, acknowledged as a top belt. But we're going to count Henry in here anyway. So he won it in June 96 uh, and he actually vacated the title in February 97 so that he could fight Lennox Lewis for the WBC title. Um, so why, why did he have to vacate his title to do that? Uh, politics. Hmm. So Not surprising. He <laughs> made two defences but it's a fairly peripheral fringe title. Um, yeah, okay. So we'll work back from that. Frank Bruno, big Frank. Yeah, I mean that's that's a name definitely would spring to mind. Yeah, um, along with HP Source for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pantomimes <laughs> that time of the year, isn't it? Um, okay, so you say it springs to mind. As I said earlier, it's not the richest history of heavyweight boxing yeah. in Britain. He lost it in his first defence uh, oh, to Jesus. Mike Tyson. So he won it in September '95. First defence was Mike Tyson in March '96, which he lost it in. 
So he has no defense, no successful defenses of his title. Mm. Although to be fair, losing it to Tyson at that time. I know there's no shame in it. <laughs> it's and like, like a pit bull on steroids. Uh, isn't it? Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember the details at the time, but I'm pretty sure if he'd have, if he could have, or you know, if there was the option, he would have swerved it. So yeah. uh, you know, fair play. He probably took that. I, I don't know. So we're gonna go back one more from that Herbie Hyde, who uh, it's the fucking mental case from Norwich. Um, I don't know anything about this guy. Herbie Hyde has been done subsequently to his boxing career for various offences. Um, <laughs> I, I can't remember what they are off the top of my head, but they normally involve nightclubs and dubious ongoings, I think. So, again, his was the WBO title. So, he held it from 1994 to 1995. Again, he lost it on his first defence. It's time to Riddick Bowe. Right, okay. so, because, okay, I mean, the, w, at this point, so we're looking at, if we... If we take away both of them, because yeah. obviously that he's be- he uh, is before Akin Wadi, Akin Wonder, Akin Wonder. He's before that, I and mean, you've already said that WBO wasn't really thought no. of highly. That. So at this point, we've got two highly thought of boxers. One's David Hay, and the other one's Frank Bruno. Lost it on his first defense. Yeah. <coughs> okay, next. All right, so- <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll go back from that. We'll we'll lighten the mood a little bit now. Lennox Lewis. Um, yeah. So there's various iterations. The Canadian bloke. Yeah, the Canadian <laughs> Lennox Lewis. Um, yeah <laughs> fair point so the Canadian Lennox Lewis or we're going to call him British for now yeah, well, well, British Andy Murray um, we've got a rich history of sucking in other people's <laughs> rich good sportsmen <laughs> Peterson Strauss yeah yeah. so there were various iterations of Lewis's uh, heavyweight reigns so from 93 to 94 uh, he lost the WBC title on his third defence um, the 97 to 2001 again the WBC title he lost it on his 10th defence to Hassim Rackman uh, which he then won back in the rematch yeah that was uh, the South <coughs> African guy or was it in South Africa it was in South Africa yeah. it was uh, it was when he was fil- he was he had the fight scheduled and he was filming Ocean's Eleven at the time which he filmed ironically with Vitaly Klitschko oh, really? uh, the fight scene for that in the casino oh, where okay. the lights go out and then there's a big robbery of the uh, the casino right, okay. and Vitaly Klitschko was who he had his last fight against when he uh, after that he retired um, but yeah oh, he, he was he just switched, <coughs> I remember him saying he just switched off he hadn't prepared properly he hadn't prepared properly one, yeah. it was uh, at altitude and what have you and he was busy filming Ocean's Eleven so he went and beat him in his next fight. So then you got the WBA title that he held. Uh, he won it against Holyfield, the IBF title. So you know, there's there's many years from like '93 to '94, '97 to 2001 that he was essentially you know crowned the heavyweight title holder. So without a doubt, I think unanimously yeah. you can say he was the best heavyweight title holder uh, that Britain's produced. And then we'll go back from that. I mean, another recent one, if we go back to 1897, <laughs> uh, for Bob Fitzsimmons. <laughs> That's the one I was going to ask you about, actually. Yeah. So, I mean, in his defence, he was the undisputed title holder because there was only one title back then. So, um, Which was what? In- incidentally. Uh, WBC, I think it, oh, okay. it must be, yeah, WBC. So when they talk about like a lineal title holder... Um, which yeah is a WBC in this scenario because Deontay Wilder is is the lineal title holder is where you can trace the belts back to where they started Uh, so Bob Fitzsimmons was I say the undisputed due to the fact there's only one so he held it from 1897 to 1899 um, and he lost it in his third fight but his fights were out in America um, so you wouldn't have seen him on Sky at that time. Yeah, yeah, well, it's difficult, isn't it? I it's mean, pay per view was pretty sparse. In, uh, <laughs> well, no one could afford it. Everyone was dying of cholera and stuff. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's a little rundown. So you know, it, uh, a name that springs to mind: uh, Henry Cooper. So he is not on the list because he was never world champion. Yeah. So Henry Cooper, he's renowned for the kind of Muhammad Ali fight where yeah. Ali had his gloves split because he was in trouble. Um, but yeah, no, he's uh, big Henry. Henry Coops, what a uh, what a shame he was never. Uh, well, actually, given given that list, he, all he needs to do is win a title, and he would have been perhaps the second or third best yeah. heavyweight title. Uh, I mean, looking at this, British. like to go down as one of the top three, Fury's got to make what maybe three defenses. Now, you know, clearly there's the Klitschko issue looming on the horizon that again we'll come on to in a little bit, but. Uh, Fury already in beating Klitschko is arguably one of the you know the top heavyweight title oh, holders. To watch Klitschko get beaten, not 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 <laughs> school. Yeah. Well, it was it was more the for me. It's not uh, what I was delighted about was the fact that it wasn't he just he'd given it up, he'd retired. It was he actually had 
been beaten by somebody. That was what I liked about it. Yeah. So if he comes back and he wins again or or Fury defends it, whatever, it's just that it's made things exciting again. Um, if Fury gets knocked out by him or something like that, you think, oh, when is it going to end? And you don't want to have to wait for someone to retire before, because then people will say, oh, no one was ever going to beat him. Whereas now, you there's the he's beaten Vladimir, and there's the reasonable question, <clears throat> well, he could he have beaten Vitaly? Was it just a matter of time that just they just happened to, you know, Vitaly retired too early, and yeah. could he have beaten him? But it's the the question's legitimate now as opposed to yeah. you know fantasy or whatever. So. But, I mean, there's um, there's probably a one of the things that Vladimir can be praised for out of his reign. So there's a lot of things you could criticise him for of being a boring person, of being not necessarily the, the most exciting in ring fighter. Um, but one thing that he did was bring back a lot of stability to the heavyweight division. So prior to Vladimir, the belts were all over the place. Um, they were... With different boxers, you mean, around the world? Yeah, so you had Lewis, who held all the titles. And then when Lewis retired, those belts go back to their governing bodies. And then what the governing bodies decide which two boxers should yeah. fight for. Yeah, and so you end up like, you're not going to get the same two boxers picked by each body because they're all tied up. So those belts started getting dispersed and they got handed around and it was a bit of hot potato with it. So Vladimir, you can praise him for the fact that he actually brought a bit of stability back, a bit of normality to those titles and you know they weren't suddenly getting handed around and there was a, you know, without it being unified because he didn't have the WBC but his brother had that but you know, you could ultimately identify who the heavyweight champion of the world was it wasn't like you had four different heavyweight champions of the world so is Lance Lewis at this point the last person to have held all four belts because the Klitschko's never I mean yeah. Klitschko as a pair obviously held them yeah um, did Vitali only ever hold WBC yeah right okay um um, uh, so yeah, I mean, okay. on on the note of like the belts being dispersed, it's um it's come out in the last couple of days that Klitschko wants his rematch, which is great news. Like, oh, okay, I didn't. So they're that. talking about doing it. He's released a video saying, "Look, you know, I want. I'm not going out like that. I want to take the rematch." So there's talk about it could be in London. Um, I think London's a favourite city. Then it'll be uh, Germany is another possibility. And oh, I'm expecting it to be in Manchester. Or Manchester, like I think, is about the third or fourth favourite city to host it. Surely Fury would do everything he can well, to not be in Germany. Depends what the money is, though, doesn't it? Like, if they're going to offer you two million, if you could get two million pounds to take it in England or ten million to take it in Germany, Jesus. and if you're confident to win it either way, which uh, Fury which it must be, is, it yeah. must be. Then which would you do? Do you think um, do you think he risks getting embarrassed, Vladimir, or do you think that F- Fury's got to stay focused and you know uh, Fury, um, you know he's uh, he's renowned for slightly losing focus out of camps. So he said it himself. He goes into a little bit of depression when he's kind of not in training camp. So if he can get that Klitschko fight, you know, signed off for Soon? March of next yeah. year. Uh, at Wembley Stadium or at Old Trafford or something like that that's fantastic because that'll keep him focused in the zone he'll be back in training camp and if he can just do what he you know the same build up and what have you then why would there be a different result I suppose like Klitschko can't bring an awful lot more apart from you know he can throw that right hand but he might be shit scared of getting knocked out and going out like that so he yeah, the reason the pies and the beers, that's what he needs to do. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason I say about uh, the, the Klitschko issue is that and the other problem with this is that um, we're going to come onto it later a little bit about mandatory challenges that Klitschko now have. Um, but one of the first issues that he's now facing is that the IBF. Do you say Klitschko then? The Klitschko will have. Sorry, the Fury, Fury will have. Um, the IBF, which is one of the titles that he picked up on mm. uh, Saturday night, they've got their mandatory, who is Vyacheslav Glaskov. Um, now, the IBF have come out and said, you have to fight Glaskov next. And it'll go to purse bids next week, I think it is. Um, okay, so refresh us on what this means. What it means is that they're saying, Fury, you're our champion, that's great. You have to face our next in line, Otherwise which is Glashkov. So they're saying, we will strip you if you don't fight Glashkov. Contractually, he's got to rematch Klitschko because you know he signed yeah. that's part of the deal when he signed with that fight. So... <laughs> he's in a, a rock and a hard place. Yeah. So what he said. Well, surely it, it it kind of IBF will affect their own sort of um, legitimacy or whatever you'd call it. But, and income is the other thing. Yeah. By <coughs> by saying, oh yeah, you can't have. We're going to give it to this. I, obviously, I don't know anything about this guy. Some nomad. He's probably he's probably not. <laughs> but some <laughs> no mark. But 
It's uh, not hugely. No, you would want your belt around Fury's waist, not around Glashkov's waist. Yeah, and given so, who he might fight, Deontay Wilder, that's going to be a massive audience yeah. in America, and so, yeah. so it doesn't make so any sense. What Fury's come out <laughs> is typical understated manner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on. What's he got to say? He said, "I will get a skip, and I will dump that belt in the skip, and they can have it back." Um, <laughs> He, said, yeah. he probably would as well. Yeah, well he I said, no, he will. On Twitter. Yeah, because like Riddick Bowe did it famously. Um, oh, really? He didn't want to fight Lennox Lewis for the WBC title. He was mandated to fight him. And so he got a bin at a press conference and like dropped it in a bin. <laughs> so like Fury's one up in that. And he's like, I'm going to get a skip. <laughs> skip. And I'm going to dump that belt in the skip and you can have it back. Um, if they don't. If they say you have to down. fight Glashkov. Um, so yeah, he said already, look, I'm not going to fight <clears throat> or like do what you're saying. I'm going to do what. I need to do and what I want and what's best for me. So, how did this work for like someone like Klitschko who's had these belts for so long? Surely, every different, as we've kind of touched on before with the different um, governing bodies, they've all got their different way of rating people, ranking people. Surely, there's always got to be a conflict of you got to fight him next. Yes, or- there is, but um, this is different because it's a contractual obligation to rematch Klitschko. So, when you hold all those belts, so assume he didn't have to fight Klitschko yeah. <clears throat> then it's fine for him to have to go and fight Glashkov as the next mandatory but, so, but what I'm saying is if for example the WBA stepped in and said well actually no your next fight has no, to be they, they do work in conjunction with each other right, to okay. an extent so they'll diarise essentially who's fighting who so right, okay. the one thing that happened is that he probably wouldn't be allowed to pick a mandatory fight at any time because if he held as he does the IBF, the WBA and the WBC titles that's three fights a year that he's going to have like the mandatories for so he's not going to be able to fit in optional defenses um but i say those bodies are you know they can work within themselves to diarize who defends at what time that's fine like they're not gonna you know two bodies aren't gonna say you you have to fight on the same date because it's not gonna happen yeah, like, yeah they course, accept yeah. that but with this Klitschko, like the rematch clause in the contract it does mean that he's stipulated to fight him again he can't really get out of that but the IBF is saying, well, no, you have to fight our person. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit of madness, really. Um, okay, fair enough. So, yeah, I mean, that, that kind I, of... You assume they're going to back down, though, right? You would hope so. It's mental, if not. Um, so, I suppose that comes on... We were <laughs> trying to work out what, what, I suppose, are the three biggest issues that lay ahead for, uh, for Fury. Like, after the high of winning the titles, what are the biggest issues? So, the first one I thought of was mandatories, in that he's got... As I say, Glashkov uh, is for the IBS. So the WBA have got, in their typical manner, Fury is their super champion now. (sighs) Here we go. Um, You've got Luis Ortiz, who's their interim champion. And you've got Ruslan Chagaev, who's their regular champion. And he's scheduled to fight Lucas Brown uh, in February next. Who's their airing cupboard champion? Yeah, well, I think uh, you. Oh. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm some if sort you, of champion. If you fucking pay them, <laughs> they'll make you a belt, right? That's how it works. So I was it, actually buying a belt the other day from a jeans shop. So I approached me from WB <laughs> to realise, mate, if you make a donation, you tip exit on yeah. WBA, right? So uh, yeah, you've got. Louise Ortiz is essentially, I think, the one that they're going to try and mandate to fight um, Fury. But I say there's also Ruslan Chagayev against Lucas Brown in February next year, I think it is. Fury had said before, because him and Lucas Brown have like got a bit of banter going on between them. He said, you know, like when I win the title, Lucas Brown, I'll give you one of my defenses. So it, that would be an interesting one. Brown's a big banger. Um, then out of the WBO this Saturday, you've got Charles Martin. Um, who's a heavyweight who's 23 fights undefeated 22 wins, 1 draw who's fighting Dominic Brizela, um, who's 16 wins no losses, no draws that's on, sorry, that's on the 12th of December um, so those are the options that he's got, you've got Glashkov as I say with the IBF, you've got Chagayev Brown or Ortiz through the WBA and then you've got the winner presumably of Charles Martin versus Dominic Briazela from the WBO so uh, so he's got to fight Klitschko next yep and then has he got to work his way through all of these before he does an optional defence he probably won't get time to do an optional defence because once he's worked his way through those that's a calendar year and then you've got to start taking your mandatories again Um, Jesus so that's what I'm saying that's going to be one of his problems is the mandatory fights Um, is that all that 
Klitschko did just constant man yeah pretty much which a lot of people criticised him for taking fights against like bums that were never going to beat him like Kvrat Pulev uh, for instance people that were never going to beat him in, in many people's eyes <laughs> but he was the um, WBA <laughs> spare tyre champion well exactly so like he, he never had the opportunity to pick the fights he wanted he always had to pick who was put in front of him and he did that and he never dropped any of the belts he kept all the belts and said okay I'll take everyone on yeah. Which is how Fury got his shot, is that he got into the mandatory position. But why it took him so long is because Klitschko had so many mandatories to get through. Um, so, yeah, I mean, an interesting one is uh, that Anthony Joshua sits... Um, he's in the top ten. He's actually ranked number two with the WBC, which is the only title that Fury doesn't have, interestingly enough. Uh, that's his highest ranking, is the one with Deontay Wilder holding the belt. So... It appears if they're looking to go down that route with Anthony Joshua and try and position him, you know, if he gets through the fight, if he gets through it with uh, White next Saturday, uh, is to try and position him, presumably, to go down the route of Deontay Wilder, who I think unquestionably is the weaker of the champions. Um, <laughs> Do you want to go into <laughs> the text I sent you the other day? What did you send me the other day? Uh, I said, uh, bronze. just to clarify, bronze bomber. That's uh, Deontay Wilder, right? Yeah, and you said, uh, yeah, bronze because he came third in the Olympics and bomber because he's shit and just throws bombs <laughs> all the time. Right, yeah, that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> yeah, it's coming back now. It did make me laugh. Um, um, yeah. So you, you, the question I sort of, that leaps to my mind is, well, as soon as he won, inevitably everyone was coming out and there's, I've seen something the other day, it was like, would you take on, would, would you take on Fury? questions thrown to Anthony Joshua well given what you've just said about the amount of people that he's got to fight you think quite frankly it doesn't even look like he's going to fight Deontay Wilder anytime soon why isn't Deontay Wilder one of these oh because of politics but yeah he'll be ranked in the top 10 somewhere of them but um, for instance Pacquiao Mayweather I can't remember which way around it I think it was the WBC forced it in the end that they moved Pacquiao up into their mandatory position to try and make it happen so you see the same with um, Adonis Stevenson and Sergei Kovalev at light heavyweight the the WBC again are trying to force those two to fight by shifting around their mandatory position so you do see it now and then to try and make these big fights happen Um, but yeah whether or not any of them move Deontay Wilder up whether or not he bloody justifies it I'm not entirely sure but yeah I mean that's the thing I'd like to see the fight happen because I'd like to see Fury as you know unified champion yeah but But, by that point he'd have been stripped of the IBF anyway (coughs) but but you think that that, that's also giving Deontay Wilder a chance of becoming a unified champion and like you say doesn't necessarily deserve that don't know so um, yeah I mean some of the other issues so one it's not an issue. I suppose it's actually an opportunity rather than an issue. Is TV deals, right? So you've got Mick Hennessy as his promoter. So although the fight was on Sky, which is traditionally is where Matchroom live with their boxing, so Eddie Hearn is in charge of that. Eddie Hearn wasn't promoting the fight. It's Mick Hennessy who is Tyson Fury's promoter. Mick Hennessy has his shows, like there's one Saturday night on Channel 5. Um, but the big money is on Sky. And so they've actually got their pick of where they want to put their shows now. So you could see Channel 5 getting world heavyweight title fights. Like, Likely. Not really, because I doubt <laughs> that... You know, ultimately, Fury's in it for the money. He said him, so he yeah. wants to get the money. Nobody's going to blame him for this to set his family up for life, etc., etc. Channel 5 are going to be able to offer less money than Sky. So you're probably cool. still going to see his fights in the future, rightly so, on pay-per-view. Uh, you know, they're big fights. Um, but I say there is actually there is a TV deal with Mick Hennessy on Channel Five. It kind of opens up the pathway though for Hennessy to be able to sell him to Box Nation, who he's fought on before, Sky with the the pay per view. Uh, I mean ITV have started showing a little bit more Box now, so there's the possibility even the BBC possibly could come in with a huge uh, sum and gazump them. To it's, show. Unlikely. it's unlikely don't get me wrong but it's an open doorway really there is no set in stone route for him which is great which is, is great actually yeah it's nice that you can't see it working like a machine it's rather i don't know why i mean maybe it's better some people would like it if it was predictable but i kind of like the fact that it's sort of open market yeah, to some because extent. with anthony joshua his fight next weekend is for the british title and it's a pay-per-view fight so you know every fight if he comes through that every fight he has He's going to be a pay-per-view fight on Sky. Who's he signed with? 
He saw my bloody hand. Yeah. And Joshua. Yeah. Um, so, what, just, I realise this is a digression, but what other big fighters are signed with Mick Hennessy? Um, who have you got? There's Nick Blackwell, who's the British middleweight champion. Um, Lee Haskins works with... I'm not sure if he's signed with him or not. Uh, Lee Haskins, who was the one that missed out on the opportunity for the bantamweight title fight on the undercard of Cotto Canelo well, due to yeah. the weight issues. He his fight that we we're saying about was in the Ledger Centre in Bristol. That was on Channel Five on a Mick Hennessy show. Um, you see a lot of Huey Fury, so Tyson's cousin. He's on uh, the Mick Hennessy shows as well. Um, so yeah, there, so there's not, a hand. They're so, not. So they're not, Tyson Fury's his golden goose, essentially, is it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, again, we're going to look at it a little bit later on, I suppose, of the the struggles that Mick Hennessy's had and how this is a fairy tale Jumping story. Jumping the gun, what can I say? I'm, uh... Well, that's it. You've ruined my preparation. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that's uh, the TV deal side of it is an opportunity as much as an issue. The last one, um, the mainstream media, and I say this is partly what's prompted, like, doing a focus on uh, Tyson Fury and his achievements, but... The mainstream media have the likes of the Sun and the Daily Mirror have run some real dickhead stuff this week, uh, front and back pages. That is shocking, actually. Oh yeah, I yeah. know. Oh, um, <laughs> but you know, really focusing on the negatives around Tyson. So yes, he's made some comments that don't go down well with everyone, but some of them get taken completely out of context. I, I imagine <clears> quite purposefully. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because he's not the background. You know, the traveller background isn't something that necessarily has great connotations within yeah. British society. Yeah. Um, whatever. Like, I don't have an issue with any of it. But take him in isolation. Don't take him because of his background. Yeah. And so, <laughs> Andy Joshua's got the MBE for winning Olympic gold. The guy's a fucking convicted drug dealer. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, he's got a drug dealer conviction from Watford from back in the day, right? So he had an ankle tag on, he wasn't allowed in certain areas late at night, etc. If he came back with that world title, he'd have been on in front of the Queen on a knee getting knighted on Monday morning. Yeah. But because it's Fury, the mainstream media... Now, there was... He's um, a sort of, he's a, he <coughs> seems to me the sort of person, the boxer, already that's only going to be appreciated... <sighs> I don't know, late after he's gone kind of thing, maybe? Yeah, I think there will be a select group of people that appreciate him now and then perhaps more so later yeah. on, as you say. But, okay, so he this week he's been put up for Sports Personality of the Year. He's on the short list for that. And then I read today there's a petition signed by 30,000 people to get him taken off of the Sports Personality of the because Year. Because 30,000 people are knob ends, they've got nothing better else. To <laughs> was do there any life. sort of like okay, so was, but what, what argument is made? Does there is, there, uh, I think it is about some of his comments about homosexuals and things which uh are kind of taken out of, of context, really. But I saw a tweet from him earlier that gave me great um hope and belief. So it said, uh, <laughs> from Tyson Fury, from Tyson Fury, he said. The Gypsy King and the heavyweight champion of the world will not be silenced. I'll always speak my mind, like it or lump it, in Jesus' name. So, don't expect him to pay too much attention to 30,000 people signing a does petition. Does he really care he about does. Sports Personality of the Year award anyway? I I, mean, I, I he's never going to win it, simply uh, because they'd hate for it to give him the stage I've got a £5 BBC. bet with my mum. She's saying he'll win it. I said there's no hope that the BBC will allow him to win it. No, he's, no he'd, hope. he'd get a stage I, on the BBC with all those people watching. Yeah, and that would be a five-minute time delay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah I'm no gonna be five pound better off come Christmas for my mum. I suspect um, I'd love him to. Don't get me wrong, oh, but so he's not I. going no. to win it. But the so, thing, if anything, when you're talking, if you literally, if you take it, if you literally break down what that is, sports personality, you probably deserve hands it to down. Win. <laughs> what him or Lewis Hamilton? <laughs> come on. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean that's probably the three biggest issues uh, that he, he's not facing because I mean ultimately he's such a confident individual he's such a um, a character etc I don't think these things are going to phase him they're not they're not issues for him it's just issues that may come up down the line okay so let's get into the home straight then we're uh, what 48 minutes into it now so I guess we should uh, yeah although we're a bit out about half of it so uh, 20 minutes in by the time you listen to it (laughs) Um, right we touched on uh, his dad, his uncle, earlier, and we've spoken about Mick Hennessy, and they all come into uh, the three biggest influences that you've sort of jotted down that have affected him, affected him over his career. But sort of touch on 
specifically how they've how you think that they've affected him? Yeah, okay. So um, we'll start with his dad, John Fury. We said earlier he started off like John Fury started off um, being his trainer. Um, then he got sent to prison, and he uh, was sentenced in two thousand eleven. I think he uh, he was involved in a bit of a brawl. This is why he went to prison. Like. Yeah, right. um, he came out on February the eleventh this year. Now, here's um, an interesting thing. Like one of the reasons that um, that Fury was fighting on domestic TV was because his dad was in prison, and so like he'd been offered these other deals elsewhere to go and fight on mm. Box Nation, Sky, etc. He wanted his dad to see. It. He wanted his dad to see his fights, and oh, so he would cool. only go on a, a channel that could be seen from inside prison, so Channel Five, which is what he was fighting on, <laughs> so his dad could witness his fights. That's pretty cool. For That's him. quite touching, actually. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Um, but yeah, this year John Fury, his dad, comes out of prison February the eleventh. Um, his dad used to be his his trainer and his kind of cornerman and what have you. Um, and him coming out, you've seen a calmer uh, Tyson Fury turning. Like, don't get me wrong, there's still the erratic side of him. There's still the Batman turning up. There's still moments where, he, but I'm never going to get that out of him, are you? <laughs> no, but overall, John Fury's a man who doesn't like swearing particularly. He's a man who is quite religious. They're all quite religious. But you've seen this year, Fury has embraced somewhat the religious side of himself. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of his social media stuff is about Jesus and what have you. No, so, he mentioned he was straight after the fight, didn't he? Yeah. So I think John Fury has provided an out of the ring uh influence that has has helped him in the ring ultimately. Um but yeah, I mean uh, Peter Fury, you asked earlier about how he kind of became involved or whatever or what well, his it's, credentials it's a question that presumably pops into a lot of people's mind. Like you you sort of when Where's he come from? He, what ha, is he just a coincidence that both of his like family members are part of his backroom staff? You know, you, get, you hear some sort of like athletics players and they're married to their coach. You think, well, presumably they married their coach after they were their coach, right? Yeah. Because what? What? Well, I'll be a coach. <laughs> Doesn't seem to make yeah. sense unless that person's qualified. So the, the, the question rise, raises. They self. refer to themselves as Team Fury, like. I think that's very, very apt in that there's only people involved on the inside of them that are um, trusted. So you've got family members, you've got Asif Farley who has been like involved pretty much from the start. This with is them. the like the sort of short Asian guy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he handles a lot of the the media and PR stuff for them. Um, and then you've got Peter and John and. That's kind of that's the inner circle that deal with them. So then you've got Huey Fury as well, who you'd always see with them, who's yeah. Tyson's cousin. Um, so yeah, Peter Fury took on uh, the training duties when John Fury goes into prison. As I said, the only fight he missed was the Steve Cunningham one, where Fury was like possibly I'm not going to say at his worst, but his performance wasn't one that Peter Fury was pleased with or would have been pleased with. Um, and then the other part of it all, the other part of like their group is Mick Hennessy, who we alluded to earlier. Like Mick Hennessy hasn't always had an easy time of it. So Mick Hennessy's had TV deals with Sky. He's had them with ITV in the past. He has had fighters on his books, like Darren Barker, um, who was a former middleweight champion, one who beat uh, Darren uh, Daniel Gill. Sorry, he had Carl Froch on his on his books so before Carl Froch signed with Eddie Hearn and he was getting these super fights on Sky like fair play to Eddie Hearn because he raised that profile of Froch but Hennessy had him before that and Froch kind of abandoned him and went elsewhere he went off with Sky so Mick Hennessy's been through the mill an awful lot so like now he has the world heavyweight champion (laughs) on his card so what was it? Uh, Fury described it as a Jerry Maguire story. Yeah, um, afterwards, didn't he? Yeah, when he was speaking to Mick Hennessy through Sky. Yeah, um, and so he's going to stick with him. So one of the things Peter Fury has said that's so key about their relationship is that they could have earned more money elsewhere. But he said it's not all about money; it's about who you trust. So they've put their trust from the start into Mick Hennessy, and Mick Hennessy in return has delivered these opportunities. He's delivered them TV dates. He's delivered them money ultimately but the opportunity to fight for world titles it's a bit of a fairy tale story really for Mick Hennessy because I say he's been abandoned by these other fighters and he's put his faith into Tyson uh, and Team Fury 
and it's paid off ultimately. Um, but and what it, really it, it, it would have undoubtedly been approached by other um, hundreds, the million percent. Yeah. Um, all of it makes me laugh that you have the world heavyweight title and it's not held by Eddie Hearn. <laughs> that in itself amuses me a lot because like he's synonymous with British boxing and yeah. a lot of the kind of um, what's the best way of putting it uh, they're f- referred to I suppose as more like casual fans that only follow it for Anthony Joshua and that see Eddie Hearn as the face of boxing so they're probably very confused that the <laughs> world title holder I don't get it where is Eddie Hearn where's Eddie Hearn where's Eddie Hearn in all this Eddie Hearn sat at home fuming that Anthony Joshua is not the one getting all the uh, the plaudits last weekend <laughs> Um, so, yeah. I'm surprised he didn't come out and said that the next fight should be Anthony Joshua. Oh, it? don't. He tweeted something uh, about it straight <laughs> after the fight. I thought, you fucking prick. Absolute knobend. Uh, tweeted something about, oh, after that, I'm getting so much interest in next Saturday's fight between Fury and, uh, sorry, uh, White and Joshua. Like, why can't you just let the man have his 10 mm. minutes of, like, being in the limelight? Why do you have to stick your oar in and, like, uh, and so uh, you do like Eddie Hearn I must say I do like the the, the thing is like I do like Eddie Hearn but stuff like that just winds me up and uh, you know the the fans that are big fans of Anthony Joshua not of boxing they lap it up and they get the fuck (laughs) Um, get off that fence you (laughs) (laughs) okay let's move on Um, final thing come on right so tell me three things that I don't know about Fury well only if you don't read them on my bit of paper too late. Um, yeah. <laughs> right, uh, you maybe know about it. Um, I do now. Tyson Fury was born three months premature and he weighed a pound. Um, so he wasn't... Th- there was a very slim chance of him actually getting through and like surviving from the, the birth. You could have put a really good bet on at that point. <laughs> <laughs> this kid's going to be world heavyweight. Well, that's essentially... That's what John Fury did. Like He called him Tyson after Mike Tyson... Because he said at the time, apparently, I wasn't there, like, don't get me wrong, but he said, my son's going to grow to be seven foot tall and a future world champion, so I'm going to call him Tyson. How tall is Tyson Fury? Uh, six foot eight. So it's so. wrong. Then. It was wrong. Sorry, John, uh, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> you got it bang wrong, mate. You would have lost the bet, so. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Fury was born three months premature and one pound as a baby. Wow. Um, one interesting fact, right? He has won in 25 professional fights now. He has won. Here's a list for you. The English, the Irish, the British, the Commonwealth, the European, the WBO Intercontinental, WBO International, WBO World, IBF, WBA, IBO and Ring Magazine titles. A pretty impressive list for somebody 25 fights into into their career. And... I'm surprised there's only one WBA title there, given what we've spoken <laughs> about. That's the one that maybe I've just summed them all up. Most right. of my, there's probably at least a list as long uh, as that. I don't WBA want this to go into two hours. So <laughs> yeah. right, the WBA smallest baby when you were born, <laughs> heavyweight champion, most likely belt. to reach eight foot fighter <laughs> title, <laughs> can catch the longest throws at school title. <laughs> yeah, so no, that's a, an impressive list of. Uh, of titles that he's done in 25 fights okay and given the fact that I am looking at this list I might as well lead into the last one go on you can have the last one because you're a United fan so (laughs) go on have it it was well it was more the the, my present here it was (laughs) thanks mate we wish you a Merry Christmas Um, it was more the fact that I was uh, this is why I was expecting him to have had his or at least be arranging his fight at Old Trafford or something like that Um, but given what you've already said it could be in Germany it could be London Manchester's their favourite, but he's a, man- a big Manchester United fan, right? Oh God, aren't you pissed on my bonfire? You might as well take the rest of it. <laughs> might as well piss on the, the cinders as well. <laughs> okay, so Fury is a big Manchester United fan, and he says that Cantona and Keane inspired him to be more aggressive and stand out from the crowd. I'm assuming that the flamboyancy comes from Keane and the aggressiveness comes from Cantona, right? Or, uh, actually, saying well, that. Cantona had Cantona a pretty did... aggressive side to it. Like, Arsac Crystal Palace fan, he got booted in the face. Yeah, um, maybe Keane wasn't the most flamboyant character, though. Although. He can run a mouth off, so maybe that. Yeah, I think <laughs> if, you, if, if, you, if you were to combine Cantona and Keane, yeah, you're probably going to get Tyson that, Fury. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, that's apparently uh, what's influenced him to be as aggressive and uh, eccentric, elaborate as he is. And that 
ladies and gentlemen, if there's any ladies or any people listening, anyway, still, yeah, um, well done. <laughs> brings us to the end of our Titan Fury special in just under an hour, although we will edit this out, so just under three and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I hope you've enjoyed this uh, this instalment. Um, we sort of took a bit longer to get this one out just because we slash Martin had to do a little preparation <laughs> for the, <laughs> the, the podcast. Um, if you want to get in touch with us... If you uh, want to correct any of my facts that I've stated <laughs> earlier, probably yeah. some that are wrong. Uh, they can contact you on Twitter at... New Age Boxing UK. Uh, get in touch with Martin, and if you really want to email, but Martin says no one ever emails me. No one ever email. emails me. No <laughs> New Age Boxing Podcast at gmail.com. So, if you want to get in touch with us, go ahead, get in touch, give us some abuse or whatever, because I'm assuming that's all we'll get. I'm yeah, gonna... nobody ever writes, Actually, what I can't a great job you're doing. Anyone's going to write anything, but if they do, that's what you can do. And uh, I guess all I have to say is thanks for listening and goodbye. To her. Let's do some testing. Let's do some... T- are you still tindering bitches then? That's where the, the question... Uh, I am, but I'm getting bored of it, if you want to know the absolute yeah. truth. Yeah, it's Worn out. Fucking, uh, whether, whether I like it or not, the birds that I really like never reply. <laughs> <laughs> the ones that I go, eh, they're all right. I've worked my way through two of them and I'm already bored now. Yeah.